You are listening to Flipping the Narrative. Come and flip with us. Okay, welcome everyone. We're back for another episode of Flipping the Narrative where we talk about everything and anything and distill it through the prism of our Filipino-ness. Hi everyone, I'm Bambina. Hi ma'am, this is Luis Neteri here. Hi everyone, this is Laura Veralio de Bertotto. Good to see you, Bams and Luis. Hi, Hi. Awesome. it's been a while. <laughs> A little bit. Very excited. Today we have an incredible episode ahead of us. And I think it goes back to who we are again, which uh, was our first episode in the podcast. We're really trying to figure out who we are again. You know, are we Latinos? Are we Asian? Are we Filipinos, you know, as such? Do we have an origin from here? And so we have a few guests that will take part of all these questions. Lau, do you want to introduce our first guest? Yeah, our guests are actually going to help us solve this question once and for all. I'm kidding. There's no solution. We'll make it bigger. We'll make it bigger. Okay. (laughs) So our first guest is a dear friend, someone I actually look up to quite a bit, who I met through an organization that we're a part of. I actually contracted him because he's a brilliant artist, so creative, really wonderful. And I had to get something done for EO, Entrepreneurs uh, Organization Philippines. And as we were talking, I was like, oh my God, I really like this guy. This can't be the only thing we work on together. And I ended up nominating him. So now we're co-members. Leon is extremely talented. He and his wife are tremendous advocates for heritage in the Philippines, in our buildings, and our monuments, but also for our living, our trees, our foods, healthy living, all this wonderful stuff. So he's branched out from leading an extremely successful, amazing design firm called Atelier to actually now being a restaurateur, which I know just from brief chats, really was a bit of a passion project for him to jump into, no, Leon? Yes, it was a, it was a, the passionate thing about it was rescuing a heritage brand. Right, right? which so, I so love, we I went love from, that about yeah, you. From, yeah, so to something about the heritage I could not resist. Thank you fantastic. for the wonderful introduction. Oh, please, honey, I got more, but you know, you got a hard stop, so. Oh, keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> So on that note, I'll pass on to Bambina to introduce Ivan. Oh, by the way, quick note on Ivan. I'm already a fan. I heard him speak once for an amazing Philippine heritage uh, series that Joey Fernandez does every Saturday in the summers. And we were smitten. So there, go. Take it away, Bams. Well, speaking of heritage, Mm -hmm. Ivan actually is the guy behind Old Manila Walks. Of course, we haven't been able to do these walks now that, you know, during the pandemic, but hopefully we'll resume soon. So he calls himself a cultural tourism professional, and he's a founder of Old Manila Walks, like I said, and um, it's a specialist outfit, operates interpretative tours around the city's old neighborhood. And he's big on cultural studies. He got his master's degree in cultural heritage studies from the University of Santo Tomas. And he's been actively involved in the preservation of um, our heritage areas with a particular interest in urban, social, and architectural histories of Manila. And he's been around for a while. He's had two decades of multidisciplinary experience in historical research, interpretation, tourism, publishing, and creative applications of cultural heritage. He's also a trustee of the Heritage Conservation Society, as well as the Museum Foundation of the Philippines. And he's the author of several books. One of them is our, one of the most recent ones is Art Deco Manila. Am I right? Um, Ivan, is that the right title? Deco, Deco Filipino. Filipino. That's right. Yeah. So all about the art, you know, art deco um, landmarks in, in the Philippines, in Manila and all these little details that you see in 
buildings that should be preserved. Some of them sadly have not been, but um, Ivan is a big uh, advocate for, you know, preserving heritage and not just the usual churches and, uh, you know, monuments, but also Chinese heritage, Chinese Filipino heritage. So it's nice to have both Ivan and Leon here today. It's like um, Asian versus <laughs> Latino. Latino. We're trying to get to the root of who we are as Filipinos, right? Are we are we both or killer? So are we human or are we dancer? But you know, this is a little lost in my co-hosts today. No, but I think it's important. So I I, I would like to press with the first question because we know we're Asian, but are we Latino? Ah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Straight. <laughs> straight to the matter. Oh. Okay. Uh, I think we're displaced Latinos. Hmm. I agree. No, I think we're a little displaced. You know, I had a friend uh, working on this actually when back in the day in a previous life when I was in school, whose entire sort of research focus was the Latin diaspora. And the Philippines is part of that, right? Yeah. But we never thought of that because we are as much a part of Southeast Asian you know, origin story. And then obviously the immigrations of Chinese and Indians and all this stuff here. So we're very much a melting pot. But yeah, I think we're totally part of the Latin diaspora. And, and, and obviously, yeah. I mean, we, we, were, we became part of the, I guess, uh, let's call it the Spanish Empire at the same time as Mexico, Peru, and the rest of Latin America did, right? So we were looking at early 1500s. And I think the Philippines uh, was probably the country with the longest um uh you know colonial rule of the spaniards right but the yeah. rule so, came through mexico through mexico yeah. yes right? yeah yeah well, because for, for the for the spaniards the philippines was like too far away to deal with so yeah. then they just want they, you know they just kind of like let the, the this massive new colony of mexico just just deal with the philippines i think and I that think was what 300 400 300 or 400 years. 350 years, yeah. 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 What, what but were, were the, was Latin America also administered under Mexico? No. Or that was different? No. Okay, okay. Uh, Mexico was the biggest one, uh, was yeah. the biggest the vice royalty um, going on. And then Peru was the second one, given because yeah. both Mexico and Peru had, I mean, rescued Spain from bankruptcy. Mexico dealing with silver, Peru dealing with, with gold. Mm. So those gold. two were the biggest settlements that really rescued the entire Spanish empire at the time. Obviously, Mexico has a direct link to the Philippines, given the, the Lanao de Filipinas, Lanao de Manila, which is our, our galleon trade. Yeah, well, um, I'd just like to go back to the answer, are we, are we Latinos? Uh, I, I think um, it's safe to say that a big chunk of our heritage is, but I wouldn't uh, totally generalize everyone to be Latinos here because I think it sort of um, uh, doesn't put the whole picture of the diversity of, of the country. And besides, we're not the only uh, Latinos sort of in quotation marks in Asia. There are, there are other Latinos like the Goanese in India or the, the Macanese in Macau. Just that yes. you know, are probably one of the biggest in terms of um, population. Yeah, no, you're right. I do think, you know, at the end of the day, when Louis started with, are we Latino, are we Asian or whatever? Truly, truly, one of the things we discussed in our very first episode was Filipinos to me, huh, at least, are the ultimate and creatures. 
are we Latino? Sure. Are we also Chinese? Yeah. Are we also Southeast Asian? Yes. Are we American? In many ways, right? Um, yes. And I do think, and one of the points that I was making when I talked about that was, I think that's actually one of the reasons why it's so hard sometimes to classify Filipinos internationally. And many times when we go to the States, there's a question, who do I hang out with? Is it the Latinos? Where do I quote belong? Do I go with the Asian Americans? Do I go, you know, here or there? I think that that it makes us a little bit harder to classify, diba, in in say racial realities in the United States at least. I think we're, we're like the ultimate chameleons. <laughs> yeah, that's true. In many ways. Right. However, I, I I must point out that um that uh I haven't I haven't uh run into a Latino that upon visiting the Philippines did not have a good time. <laughs> no, there has never or, been a Latino or the other way around. at home. Yeah. Or, or the other way around. No, there is this uncanny feeling of familiarity that sets in mm-hmm. immediately when, so, when, you know, upon arriving in, in, yeah. in the Philippines, that I is uncanny. And, yeah. and, 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 uh, and, you know, connected to that, I have also, I grew up in Mexico city. So I have uh, my, my many Mexican friends, I have not met a Mexican guy that did not fall in love with a Filipina upon meeting a Filipina. I mean, it's, there's just a connection. So also all your Mexican friends are, are male and cis and straight. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Very heteronic distance in Mexico. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Sorry, Ivan? But yeah, actually, yes. They're just lucky they met pretty and you know, well-rounded, be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just okay, say that my, my, my daughter was actually in Mexico for three months, right? She was doing a semester abroad and she like she said it, it was uncanny. I, she said there was more color though. I mean, it was yes. insane, right? But she was in Cholula, in Puebla. And, oh um, was which was cut short. Like this is the adventure of her life. And then it was cut short because of COVID, right? It was a semester abroad thing and she loved it. It was like, like a fly, you know, whatever, a duck to water with that thing. Yeah. And and like, all the boys must've been after her. <laughs> and the girls right. too. So, <laughs> anyway, so we can stop selling our penis. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. I- <laughs> generally as a, as, as a traveler, I mean, who likes doing cultural stuff. I, I went to Mexico for a month, so that probably is not enough experience, but I've been to um, ASEAN countries like Malaysia so many times. And you know, when you go to these two places, if you look at some, for someone who works in culture, you see a lot of similarities in certain things. For example, when I went to Mexico, I saw all the, you know, the religious rituals, which sort of relates to what we have here, especially the Catholic ones. But if you go to like Malaysia, you know, you, you see the language, I mean, in the, the, the food, I mean, Bahasa sort of sounds like of Bisaya to me, right? I mean, so, yeah, Bisaya, Ilongo. Because they have a lot of words which are the same with Kapampangan and Tagalog. So, you know, and that is basically, I mean, because I'm into culture, but, you know, generally, if you're a regular tourist, you probably wouldn't notice um, those, those things, no? So, um, yeah, sometimes it, it can be... Uh, confusing but i think it really ends at the end of the day on how you sort of want to, to place your personal self right are you a are you a hispanized pinoy are you a you know a more chinese pinoy or more malay pinoy <laughs> kind of like that no of, of course i do understand the idea of filipino as was really has hispanic roots right? i mean the idea the whole 
notion of being Filipino was an 1898 thing. So I think that it, it sort of goes back to that. Cassette. So, I, I mean, I, I'd I, like to uh, point out some stuff that, I mean, just on that note. So uh, you have a basis for comparison. Um, and I think the first thing that we could probably identify is what are the things that make Latino people Latino? What are the things that make Asian people Asian, which is a bit wider than just saying Latino, Latino, right? Since there's such diversity in, in Asia to begin with. Yeah. But, I've been thinking uh, about the, this for 20 years. Yeah. But, but there are things we, Leon, podemos identificar. we can basically say, okay, so there is um, an incredible fire and passion uh, that people identify with Latinos generally that I think the Filipinos carry big, you know, uh, yes. like a big yes. flag. Vis-a-vis the rest of Southeast Asia to begin with. Yes. Um, the love for song and dance is humongous there, and so it is for us as well. But the massive difference, there's there's all everything you mentioned, I completely agree. And and really, I've I've been living in the Philippines uh, for 20 plus years after almost the same amount in Mexico City, and I've been really thinking about this because there's there they seem so similar. But there is one fundamental difference that really sets apart the Filipino from from the Latino. And it's the fact that in in the end, we are Asian. The Filipino is Asian and the Filipino does not confront. Oh, yeah. That's your point. That is it. It's the non-confrontational angle. That's very Asian in in that sense. Super. Super. I agree. I was going to say, for me, that difference, again, 20 years being back in the Philippines after Mexico, my thing was, it's jahe. It's the, it's the yeah. hia factor. Ah. It's the saving face. Yeah. And that is oh, yeah. truly yeah. what has evolved. That it was, It's the almost impact in the Philippines, right? Because in Mexico, yeah. people are conscious about face. But yeah. it sort of has disappeared into the background. And of course, we all feel shame, right? But... Yeah. It has it has already evolved to being more of a Western country and more direct, and that truly yeah. sets us apart in that sense. I completely agree with you, Liam. Yeah, the, sa- the same face. Ahead, when I, I first heard that, when I first heard that phrase of saving face, I was like, "What? Wait, what? What's wrong with the face? What's going to happen?" Yeah, that's my That's what I do. <laughs> Just call Laura, Leon. May I add? Plus of course, the we point with our lip. Ayun din. Eyebrows. Eyebrows. And we do this. If you're walking on the street, how can you tell a Pinoy? If they look, Pinoy, yeah. But wait, I actually wanted to point out something interesting. So two things very quickly. There is something innately us. Because I find it so funny. And I tell my children this all the time. We'll be watching TV or we'll be out. We were in South Africa. We were going up a cable car like that. What happened one second? I look at a family that passes by. I tell my kids, Pinoy Pinoy. <laughs> I will watch TV. Yeah, we can identify other Pinoys. There are two two Asian characters on the TV, right? And I'm like, Pinoyan. Mama, not the other yeah, one. Yeah. Vietnamese. But ito Pinoy. Pinoyan. Pinoyan. Like you can totally <laughs> tell, right? I and, and that might be mannerism. I don't know what it is, right? Because they're obviously acting and playing a character, but there is something that I find so instantly like. Oh, no, no. Like you can tell, right? You can tell. But the second thing I wanted to say that I think is funny is looking around this group, and I did this also in our first episode with Luis and Bambina, I am, you know, pale, but I'm definitely not of of what you would consider Hispanic stock. My stock is decidedly Cebuano, Chinese, native Filipinos. Then my dad is white. 
is some white German, whatever freaking English. I don't know. Some white mix, diba? But here you have Leon. Your mix is also Spanish decidedly, right? But I'm guessing some Chinese yeah. as well. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we all have a little bit of Chinese, no? But, uh, but I think but, the, I think the heavy crust of my skin is Spanish. So I was going to say, Ivan and I would tend to belong on this side of the spectrum. Well, simply because my, my ancestry is really like immigrant ancestry. Because my, uh, my grandfather from my father's side was from China. Mm. Um, that's on my father's side. And my mother's side is Chinese Kapampangan. So, um, so very immigrant Chinese. But yeah, if you look at Magdala, I'll oh. show you a photo. I just had to pick it up yesterday for a friend's video. He wanted a photo. I don't, unfortunately, think you're going to be able to see that mm-hmm. well. But she's no. decidedly more Indo-Malay looking, you right. know. But, um, what, I, what I noticed, I, I think this is more an observation. I mean, looking at it, looking at it in, a, in a very contemporary um, manner, as well as having had the background of doing historical research, I, I think some of us, in our society today, so, some Filipinos are really more Latino in mm. terms of orientation and culture than the others. Mm-hmm. And that is speaking from someone who obviously did not have Latino roots. Diba? Mm-hmm. And then my, my being sort of, um, the, the part of me, I guess that you might call it Latino, is like, you know, I'm Catholic. I got baptized mm-hmm. Catholic. But, you know, as, as Pinoy, we don't really serve pochero in our homes every Sunday. In fact, I never grew up eating pochero. Now, for me, pochero was like, oh, something of a treat. If I had, ooh, I mean, and I only got to know this when I met friends who actually cook pochero, no? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think it depends on the, you know, on, on the upbringing, really, as yeah. well as perhaps the, the family's history, the economic background, I would say. Yeah. No, sure. because most Latinos sure. are probably Absolutely. not live in, in, in you know in um in Tundo. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. We have our own we have our own sort of informal caste system. And yeah. we were just talking sure. about this that partially it is a racial thing. It's not quite as clearly delineated or as hard as 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 cemented as maybe American racial relations are. Right. But certainly here, historically, especially, we definitely had an informal caste system where Chinois weren't even given citizenship for I don't know how long. Diba? Uh, the local Tagals as well, even less than the, um, the Spaniards who were here. So we had that for a good long time as well. But I do think class plays such a huge part of it um, right. in the Philippines. It's so hard. Class and economics. And yeah, economics. It's so hard to have class mobility here, truly. Diba? Parang if you're born in Tondo, how difficult to get out of that. No matter, and one of the things I really hate hearing is this whole idea of meritocracy, right? Mag-aral ka lang, magpas, magpakas, ano? What is it? Mag, to be masipag. Sipag at syaga. Yeah, sipag at syaga. Parang, for me, I'm like, you know, it's so hard to be sipag at syaga when you really cannot feed your family. How is someone gonna go, you know, well, no, but not only that. You're also saying, oh, mag-aral ka lang. But the educational system, well, the also. public school system is not great, right? So, you know, they, especially now, the kids haven't been in school for two years almost. Right. So, so it's not a level playing field. For sure. And, and I do think 
you know, that caste system still does exist. But I, I think less so along racial lines at this point, because we do have cajillionaires right. who are, you know, more. Oh, and there's been a lot more intermarriage than, you know, that's before. But yeah. Which is why I, I sort of feel sometimes I think the, the overemphasis on, you know, that, that, that phrase Latinos of Asia, I think it's sort of not really, it doesn't do justice for me personally. Because number one, I do not classify myself as a Latino in, 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 in as ways as maybe Leon does, only because we have two different um, backgrounds, right? But I am Filipino and I consider myself a Filipino, maybe not a Latino. Uh, Manileño, maybe, right? No, but not a Latino in, 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 in that sense of the word. Yeah, and, and to so support I what Ivan is saying, I, I think that when any Filipino goes to Latin America, they will not be considered Latinos. You know, they, they will not be viewed as, as, as Latino. They will be, you know, <laughs> least, they, they will be welcomed and everything, but they're going to be like, Chino. They look at me and only see the most native looking Asian they've ever seen in their lives, right? <laughs> <laughs> because Argentina is a bunch of Prussians to begin with, but they take yeah. one look at me as obviamente la china, pero de qué tribo? Like, what tribe are you from? You were so. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Do, do our friends like Bambina and Laura, uh, Luis and um, Leon, do you all habla español? Sí. <laughs> Sí, claro. I, I, but wait, I have to qualify this, Ivan. I have, yes. I have to qualify. I learned it very late in life. I grew up in a decidedly English-speaking household. My yeah. mother is Cebuana, so she did not speak Spanish. She spoke Cebuana and English. And the language of education for my family, which does not come from big money in Cebu at all, is really English. So English was the emphasis. And then my, my biological father was American. So I never learned it, never wanted to learn it. When I was lucky enough to go to boarding school in the States, I actually chose German because I didn't want to be a colonizer. I was like, I don't want to freaking learn Spanish. I'm going to learn. Of course, then I choose German. Anyway, so, no wonder you ended up in Argentina, right? So now you're, so now you speak Spanish in our right wing. <laughs> yeah. You take that back. I'm gonna freaking hurt you. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you, you learn German because since Scholastica was German sisters. Okay, you're the lang. Okay. Oh, there, there you go. You were also colonized. <laughs> Colonizer of Namibia, but but you know, but you know me personally, like I I didn't grow up. My my first language is Tagalog because I grew up in 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 Manila, and then I learned. Hokkien, Chinese, immigrant language from my, from my lolo, my angkong, and my ama. I learned English in school and through Archie Comics, among others. <laughs> and I learned Mandarin through school. And I mean, I can speak it, but it's not my first language. I mean, if you want to argue really well, I'd do it in Tagalog. <laughs> or maybe... <laughs> yeah, but even I sometimes fall short of words with, with Mandarin. But I speak the language, no? So you see, I have a different background. And for me, I mean, growing up, I never, I never imbibed that aspect of Latino culture, except yeah. perhaps from the religious part, which is yeah. religion. But other than that, um, not much that I remember. It's, yeah. it's more, you know, Tagalog, Chinese, Kapampangan thing. That, they were know. the Konyo kids, man. I yeah. was a Konyo kid. I only met Konyo <laughs> and, 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 and you know what? Talking about growing up and Konyo kids and all of that, 
Um, I, I was born here. I was born here in the Philippines into that whole Konyo environment. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's where my background comes from. Um, but at four years old, I moved to Mexico City. Okay. And uh, in retrospect, I realized that um, I would not, if I had grown up in the Philippines, I would feel, I would associate more with Spain mm-hmm. than with Latin America. That's true. Right? So, so I am eternally grateful to my mom for bringing me up in Latin America because I think it's a, it's a much richer culture and I, I'd rather much associate with Latin America than, than with Agachupines. You know, um, Leon, earlier you said all the Latinos, you know, who come here really feel at home. And I I agree with that. Actually, I think it was, was it you or was it Luis? It was you. Um, The funny thing for me is I've met so many Spaniards also who come here and don't say the same thing. (laughs) And then it gets old to me and I'm like, "Ah, y'all European. Got it. You're not Latino. Right. So there is a post-colonial hominess. I've met people from certain African countries also, or even Jamaica who come here and say, there's a certain hominess that they get here. So I wonder ah. if part of the, I get it. It's colonization. The post-colonial <laughs> yes. identity. Yeah. Yeah. It could be inherent. It's not really a Latino thing, you know, being nice and warm. You know, I don't think that probably came from the Spanish riots. It was really... I don't think so either. I don't think so either. You know, can I, can, I, can I share something? It, it might, I don't know what should qualify this, but I was invited to invest in a restaurant mm-hmm. and I was very interested because of theme and everything. But then the restaurant was going to be decidedly Spanish. Oh. Right? And there was just something deep down inside of me that I could I can't. I cannot. I, I cannot. I can't. I can't do it. I can't. I can't, you know. I can't come out and be you a host and say, oh, hello, baby. welcome. And it's a Spanish <laughs> restaurant. Like, I could not do it. I, I have a feeling that a lot of, like, like at least Spanish speaking, you know, Latinas, when they come here, they sort of get a, a, sh- a lot of culture shock as well. Because, you know, on the outside, you see, you see the Latino heritage there on the street. Diba? Salcedo, Legaspi, Tasmarinas. And then it stops there because they realize that not, all people habla espanol. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Whatever Spanish we speak here is Tabacano, Ermiteño, mm-hmm. which is sort of not the same as what they have. Yeah. So m- maybe that, that that's the part of, that's the, that's the uh, exotic part for them as well. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm just thinking uh, out loud, di ba? Parang, oi, ano ba to, Latino or Southeast Asian or Malay <laughs> or whatever? Latino, yeah. But but the reality as well, I think what's important, I mean, let's let's bring it back. I'd like to bring it back to context, right? And to make sure that, you know, all of these parts, I mean, yes, we're talking about are we this or are we that? But the reality is how how can we integrate, right? Mm-hmm. I think all of us in the panel today here are, have a little bit of everything. Um, Ivan, I was actually born in Spain, but to a father that's Spanish and, you know, a Filipino mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I grew up... Um, more outside of the Philippines. But yes, obviously Spanish was my first language. Um, but it's funny because as, as we speak about this, there are certain traits that probably, you know, we, we cannot decidedly say Latino. I think, Ivan, as you are probably feeling it or explaining it um, in terms of a cultural uh, individual or family trait. There are items that I think are, are common, uh, whether they're Latino or not. I think we can because they're associated with that. 
Um, and let's say, for example, Leon, you said, yes, we don't like confrontation, but by God, do we love fucking drama in this country, right? <laughs> and that is something that is incredibly Latino in that so many ways as well, right? An adjective, not a verb. I just want to make that clear. Yes. <laughs> like chingar. Is everything, right? Right, there you go. Look at the dramas of, you know, like, and this is the, this is the eternal stuff, you know, like the wife calling the company, asking for the um, salary of the husband because he hasn't come back to like this, like that. And, you know, it was so fiery with that. I don't know right? who you hang out that with. I don't see, right? <laughs> what, what, what? I'm not sure who you hanging out with, Lou. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fine. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm no. kidding. Well, I but, have um, to... On, on, to that point, okay, I do think really, if if there were ever sort of a poster child for mixed heritage, I do think the Philippines would be there even more so perhaps than other cultures, even though obviously every culture is a mix, right? And part yes. of that, I, I'll quote our late, great, wonderful friend, Carlos Seljan, again, in saying what did, we had 300 years of the church, 50 years of Hollywood. And let's yeah. not forget that 50 years was just 50 years, but boy, was it a bully. It Transformative also. It oh. everything because we could get hurt, jailed, etc. for speaking Tagalog, right? I mean, that's how quickly English was. It wasn't insinuated into the culture. It was force-fed. And, and the propaganda machine was incredible. So growing up, all I heard from my seniors were America saved us, right? From the oh, Spanish. Yeah. We have a lot of American in us as well, I think. We were once a colony, the only diba, true colony of the United States. For sure. So yeah. Yeah, no, my dad remembers being in Ateneo in high school and being fined. They were they would be fined if they were caught speaking Tagalog or whatever. They they had to speak English yeah. all the time. And, and and there's some also something about the prevalence of spam here, you know? <laughs> yes. Right? There's also something about that. Like we're the only one of the only places in the world that still Us and Hawaii. has spam on the book. We're shelf. only bit, we're uh, only yeah. beaten by Hawaii. Yeah. But but let let me sort of kind of flip the, the question and look at it from Please a different do. perspective. That's and what we do here. We flip. <laughs> I, I'm basing it on my personal experience as yeah. a Filipino of Chinese ancestry. Mm -hmm. No, I I've had so many experiences, and I'm sure probably Luis can relate to this since. You don't look Malay, okay? And yeah. I don't look Malay. That when you go abroad and you met fellow Kababayans and they find out that you're mm -hmm. Filipino, I'm Chinese, but I'm from the Philippines. So you see, when you talk to them, the idea of what, what is their idea of a Filipino? I think it's first and foremost it's the, racial. Themselves. It's racial, right? I mean, you know, like I am not Filipino because I think it. Or I look Chinese, well, because I have Chinese ancestry and I speak Chinese. I also speak Tagalog. I also speak, you know, a little bit Kapampangan. So it's kind of maybe mababaw or not really mababaw, but what's the word? Um, it's not as um, as broad, you know, our definitions. Even in in this particular class, the idea of Filipino is really within, I guess, how we want to define it ourselves or, or our impressions of ourselves. When I lived in Paris, for example, and people would say, you know, guys would say, oh, but you're Filipino, you don't look Filipino. And and my other friends would say, well, there are actually three types of Filipinas. And they would say, like, there's a Chinese Filipina, there's a Spanish Filipina, and there's the Malay, you know, the Kayumangi Filipina. But for, for most people, it's either you're, you know, the idea of Filipino for, for foreigners 
would be the dark, you know, morena kind of Filipino, not even Chinese, you know, not even Chinita, not even Mestiza, right? So like you said, they they make all these distinctions, but all of us are Filipinos. And if we really, really wanted to go that route and really, really wanted to dig into what is, quote, authentic, pure, whatever, which I don't think is particularly healthy either. Um, it's important, though, because I do think we tend to erase our indigenous brethren, whereas, yeah. you know, the first people here were Aita, Ifugao, uh, you know, our tribal okay. brothers and sisters and other gendered brethren. They're decidedly the original Filipinos. So, mm-hmm. but we consistently erase them from the discussion, right? That's sort of the normal yeah, thing. But we're know. also related to Pacific Islanders. So, is that who we are? Are we Asian, Spanish, Chinese, and Pacific Islanders? You know, as yes, we are. And yes, the we whole are. blend of that. My, my modern definition of being Filipino, I mean, in a very shallow description or definition, would be. What is the color of your passport? Is it red? <laughs> then you are a Filipino citizen. Okay, citizen. So regardless of what, what racial background do you have, as long as you have that red passport, then I guess you are Filipino in a lot of sense of the word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as far as <laughs> You know, I remember being in college in the States and hearing stories of Philippines. So my very good friend here, Julian, everyone here knows really, she has blue eyes, pa, so very, very Spanish-looking girl, right? And of course, no one ever thought of her as Filipina. Her Tagalog is beautiful. My Tagalog is pangkanto talaga. It's good, it's fluent, whatever. But her Tagalog is poetic, right? And then you'll meet Filipino-Americans who decidedly look more quote-unquote Indo-Malay or traditional Filipino the way we think about it. Of course, who couldn't speak a word of Tagalog and spoke with this extremely heavy American twang and with me it comes and goes, right? And then, yeah, really, it becomes this question. Is it the language that makes you? Is it how you look? Is it the passport that you're holding? Is it how many years you, you stayed in what place? Is it your ability to eat the nuguan and balot? Diba? Parang, there shouldn't be a qualifier also, I think. No? Right. Or I think we should make it maybe less to a particular race. More in a, define it in a more secular um, manner, perhaps. Because remember, I like, we, we also have like a big mi- Muslim minority, right? And even exactly. some of them do have issues with being Philippine oh, yeah. citizens because of certain historical oh, yeah. right, that they had. Yeah. Because they were forced into it. Right. <laughs> they were like, uh, we never wanted this. What? So no, I totally agree. Okay, so I have something. It's a bit of a... Leon, and, and you, you know this very well. I mean, we really both grew up in Mexico at the same time and came back to the Philippines pretty much at the same time. Now, if somebody can explain to me, why is it that only in the Philippines and Mexico, when you make the car atras, do you have somebody doing tick, 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 and saying that? How the hell did that go from that country to this country or from this country there? And tell me that that's not... I mean, that, that doesn't bind us, right? I have not seen that in Guatemala. I have not seen that anywhere else. And it's here. It's ridiculously. There must have been a guy who was like very that. prolific. And he was probably doing that when they were like unloading the forces of the Lanao. Probably. But, but yeah, that is uncanny. That is uncanny, right? but it's, it's very effective. Yes, it is. So it's, one of, it's one of those things that has lived on, no? But yeah, you're completely right. So many, so so many of those. Uh, I don't know what Ivan was also saying. Was like, we're so far away already from any sort of idea of purity, right? And um, 
Yeah. Even the idea of nationhood is completely arbitrary. Like you pointed out also, Ivan, the, you know, a lot of our Muslim brethren really weren't, quote, part of this country. This is not even a country. We were like a whole bunch of islands and tribal ships and whatever. And this is true for every nation on the planet. This is not a natural organization of people. A lot of it was because of treaties and political, you know, assignations and whatnot. And I think but, as but, we continue, especially now borderless, 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 even more yeah. so, the issue of sort of national identities is going to be much more blurred than ever. And Ivan, please correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't uh, Manila Muslim when the Spanish arrived? Yeah, I mean, they, they, we had Rajas, right? And then they were, yeah. when uh, um, Miguel Lopez de Gaspi conquered the city. But I, I think more, more than, I mean, okay, there's, so there's that part of defining ourselves. But even amongst ourselves within the country, we also love creating cultural mm-hmm. divide. And let's, let's be honest about it, because, you know, some people are more uh-huh. jollocks than the others, or some people are less educated <laughs> than the others. So culturally, I mean, even amongst ourselves, even within the Metro, Metro Manila, right? there are people Absolutely. who live in certain gated communities who sort of, you know, have their own different worlds than those in Tondo or Binondo or Tiapo. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for me, it's, it's there. Um, I think that needs to be, if not celebrated, just at least respected. And, yeah. you know, and let's try not to sort of um, box each other's uh, based on our <laughs> our cultural notions of each other and use it as as something that we could you know as as, as an attack to 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 our identity I, right? I think it's mm. a balance right like we we want to unite as a people so we can support each other no matter what the community or whatever or whatever or Cebuano this or whatever whatever, whatever. we want to be able to do that but we're also naman, not trying to subsume everyone into one homogeneous paste of of beige (laughs) like chinese filipinos are rightly proud of their culture indian filipinos as well muslim filipinos as well certainly cebuana filipinos there is a fierce pride there so it is i think an interesting balance of no no we're together but i respect and celebrate your uniqueness also or your these cultural your there's no overarching vision for the nation that's why our sense of nationhood is quite fractured, I believe. Well, the Marcos and it should be the, it should be the reverse, right? <laughs> yeah, but I think it should be the reverse, right? The fact that you're acknowledging that we have this and and we also have Chinese and yeah, we also yeah. have Indian no, and we sure, also have but, that. But create create an overarching vision that unites everyone with all those elements. For sure, no, and what I'm saying is that all of that, that the respect and the acknowledgement of that, even if it's not directly part of our mini culture at home or whatever, is what I think has made the Filipino, A, incredibly strong abroad, B, incredibly resilient, and C, incredibly flexible to adapt to any circumstance, right? And I think that we see that, we see that abroad when Filipinos, I guess, Ivan, you were talking about this before. When you're outside, you're like, yes, you can be white or Chinese or this, but at the end, your Pinoyan will share, you know, something at the table. When yeah. we are here in the Philippines, that, that fracture is so much larger and deeper, right? Which you we'd think it should be the reverse somehow, where we are actually able to acknowledge each other's, you know, um, cultural uniqueness. And, and integrate as opposed to try to say, well, I'm this and, you know, and, and it separates me from you. 
Hmm. And why is that? Why do you think that happened? I totally agree with you, but why do you think that happened? And that is a question I haven't been able to answer. (laughs) We are abroad, and I think this is true of many post-colonial cultures that also heavily immigrant cultures. When you find each other, you're going to bind. There's a recognition there and a shared... Because you're looking for a safe space. Kababayan, diba? Because you're Mm. feeling like an alien. You're a little lost, you're whatever. So you're now looking for each other. Pagdating mo dito, iba yan. Because I have my family, I have my ganyan. And we're much more quick to criticize the Philippines when we're actually here. Because <laughs> like yeah, we have our own clans. We're yeah. clanny. And subcultures. <laughs> the subculture. Exactly. And I do, I, you know, Ivan had said something earlier. I didn't quite catch it, but I had mentioned the Marcoses did try to create an overarching Filipino-ness. And then, of course, we got these incredibly made-up myth mythologies. Palakas <laughs> and Maganda, right? Oh, yeah. Painted paintings. <laughs> Even in the like the, the government sanctioned ideas of nationness, I mean I still feel some people are left out. Yeah, they, for sure. I mean, for the simple fact that, you know, I mean, we're such a diverse nation. I would say it's kind of hard to include everyone really, but it, you kind of feel that, you know, it's not the whole part of the story, right? Mm-hmm. That's what the government wants to project, like Filipino, you know, Christian, Catholic, and this and that now. So there's a lot of um, things that we need, really need to learn about ourselves, I feel. No? This is true. Yeah. This is true. Um, I think that's actually a very good place to start. The fact of the matter is we are dismal about teaching our kids, even ourselves, about, about our histories. You know? um, the amount- how, does, how does a nation go about harnessing all of this wonderful value in our different, our different heritage and, uh, and, and Making that work for the development of the country. How does how does that happen? Because that's ultimately what we have to do, right? We have to we have to consider all of this as value. We have to consider this as as as, as wealth. How does how do we channel that to better the progress of our nation? How does that happen? I feel like every country on the planet is a good question. (laughs) It's a good question, but I think part of it is secularization, like. Real secularization, too bloody Catholic. much tied to our culture. Like Ivan, it's so tied to the Catholic Church, and and we had we wow. had um, Lila Lila Shahani in here and Vince Rafael, and they were saying even in wow. terms of heritage, the things that are being preserved are Catholic churches, you know, or Catholic um, monuments, or you know, is it, there there has to be something more than that. Our, our culture has to has to go beyond religion because we're not all Catholics. Really, or even Christian, right? I mean, it has I'd to like take to, into account like the universe. On what Bambina is saying, because I think she's bringing up something really important. And I think, Leon, that's the question of the ages, right? For me mm. personally, and this is because of what I was studying in school and my personal interest, I think an important first step is to really try to un, unocclude, unearth everything that's been the most erased in our history, right? And that really includes a lot of indigenous people. That really includes the ugly part of our history Parang the more that you keep those things smothered, there really is no way forward, right? Um, going back to Germany, oddly enough, one of the things that I did really admire about what they did, which Rwanda also did after that incredible, you know, awful time. Um, but in Germany, very, very quickly, it was included in all curricula what the Nazis did, right? Did. Immediately, they were talked about. Immediately, it was illegal to wear a swastika and... Parang it was a very brazen, bold, honest discussion with the worst parts of your history. 
And with Rwanda, it was the same thing. They really uh-huh. had, you know, people who massacred people in their families coming together and deciding to bury the hatchet quite literally, right? Mm-hmm. Wala nang revenge, wala nang whatever. But you have to face it. And I think an important first step is we have to face it. We really do. We haven't done that. We haven't. We haven't. And I mean, yeah, that's and the, not, the entire, the entire educational system has tried to erase that part of our history as well. And it doesn't um, allow people to understand that we have lots of ugly parts in our history that, that, I mean, that they don't allow us to move forward, you know, sort of more united. No, because mm. critical thinking is not part of the educational, you know, curriculum here. In fact, they try to suppress it because, you know, critical thinking, you start asking questions and you start, you know, you're trying to piece things together and to understand. If we're supposed to save the poorest of the poor, why can't we use birth control? That is not a welcome question. <laughs> really? yeah. And that's where we're non-confrontational. And the non-confrontational exactly. part, the issue of not talking about that, which yeah. decidedly is the Asian part, is quite hard for advancement in many ways because it doesn't allow that introspection or that conversation to happen. Start well, the, 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 first, the first thought I have in my mind is um, after everything we talked about, um, I read recently, I, I, but I cannot remember the exact quote, no? but it was something along the lines of if you are in a place that where you cannot speak freely or directly or you are not allowed to confront a certain group or body, you are controlled by that group or body. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Although the, the quote is not the way it was, but that's, that's the idea of it. So yeah. That's the first thing that comes to mind. So, in, in, so after speaking to you guys, I, I realize that we are, we are under control. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree for sure. Well, you know, for me, I think um, I, I want to bring it back to sort of personal experience, right? And, and, and the name of the episode is, are we Latino, are we Asian? Um, I would like to believe that I, I have both very clearly in me in different ways. I identify with, you know, Latino parts in me very clearly. I identify with my Asian and sort of Filipino roots as well, very clearly in, in other occasions. And, and they're very well delineated especially at the table, which is uh, what I do. But obviously, I think what's really important is that I see the in, that I've been very lucky to be part of a family that has really integrated everything. I have Latino, I have Chinese, I have Malay, I have, you know, uh, obviously the white part as well, the Spanish part. And culturally, it's been very enriching to me to be able to integrate everything. I was lucky enough as well to live abroad where I was able to actually also um, celebrate all of them as together, a, a togetherness, right? And coming back to here, my experience has been so good and so positive. I would want that. I want to promote the fact that we are a culture that can and knows how to integrate when we actually want to accept ourselves for where we come from and what we have around us. Okay. Well, for me, um, coming from a, I guess, contemporary, modern, um, definition of Filipino. I think we we should at least in our generation. No, we we, sh- we we shouldn't be bound by certain um, cliches that we have probably heard for the past generations and sort of define ourselves on 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 how on, on our contemporary identity. No, like as a, as a Chinoy, no, I I am Filipino. No, I am not Latino. The only Latino heritage that I know is probably Catholic Church and maybe some dishes. So I, I, I personally 
refuse to be um, bound by certain cliches. Uh, I know that I'm a, I'm a citizen of the Republic, and that's enough, and I'm comfortable with that. You know? I want to project the best of what we have here, whether they're, you know, they're Pampangan or you know, Spanish or Chinese, because they're part of my modern identity. Well, I think, um, you know, I remember a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine um, in South Africa who had actually been to the Philippines and really loved it. And we were talking one day about, um, you know, people who travel to find themselves. And she said something like, I've been trying to get away from myself, but the damn thing keeps coming back for me. Right. And I remember, I mean, it stuck with me because it's also like being Filipino is a little bit like that. You know, you try to suppress, not, I wouldn't say suppress it, but being mixed as well. You, you know, you, you, you go away and you try to kind of explore the more European side of you when you're abroad. And um, which is what happened to me, but you know, Put a plate of lechon in front of me of balat ng lechon or bagoong and you know it all comes out right uh, so, you know there's some things you can't really run away from and you should embrace is what i say and and i was just thinking also my mom we this uh, you know traveling with my mom as well and my sister we'd like we'd be in like europe or we'd be in Paris and we'd see, like, like Laura said, you can tell if it's a Filipino. So we'd see Filipinos like on the train or something. And we'd be like, don't tell them, don't tell them we're Filipino. I mean, cause you know, nothing. It was just a private joke among <laughs> us. And they, you know, and then we would see like Spanish, you know, those budget tourists as well. And then we go, okay, no, this is nada, no, this is nada, que somos españoles, <laughs> you know, but then the train stops. You want to go to the, you don't know where to get your connecting train. You look for the Pinoy and say, Die. And they're like, Filipino pala kayo, kala namin, Spanyol, you know, whatever. So, you know, you are who you are. You can't run away from it. Uh, well, I wanted to add something quick lang, if, if you don't mind, Ivan, I'd, I'd love for you to hear also, because I feel you. like uh, a kindred spirit a bit in you also. But so coming from, let's say, someone who never quite felt, felt at home anywhere for the longest time. So when I was here with my some of my Sabuana cousins, I didn't feel local, right? Because I was too mapote. I looked like a ghost. Then among my friends say in, in Saints or whatever, growing up in Manila, I didn't fit in with the conyos. I didn't know any conyos. But again, I wasn't quite local, local, right? So I always felt a little bit odd. Then going to the States, I, I was definitely a woman of color, immigrant, um, and found my home among Latino, Black people, other others, capital O, right? Um, so to me, the issue of kind of culturally who I am has always been really fluid. And if anything, it's been more defined by where I find allies. So when I call myself a woman of color, when I decide to put in my profile, I go by the pronouns his or her and she. To me, it's a statement of this is what I call home. This is this is the culture where I'm trying to ally myself. Right? even more than Filipina, even more than American. So right. I do think a lot of these questions are really interesting and really fluid. I, I can relate to what you said because I grew up in a, in a Chinese-Filipino background. And remember, my, my grandparents were um, the type of immigrants who never really saw the, the Philippines. But they lived here, but they didn't really go to EDSA for one because they were there stuck in their own little house in Binondo. And you know, they were just living their lives. But they came before during the war. So I grew up with that thinking that, you know, as, as, as someone who is of ethnic Chinese ancestry, 
you know, um, you just do your thing, just do your business, just run your business. You know, you don't really need to, to go to EDSA if there's something wrong. And I had to learn all of these things as I grew up. Because I found out that, hey, you know what? There were a lot of Chinois who, who, who felt something for, for, the, for, the, for the country. You know? And, you know, the definition of Filipino wasn't really defined as, you know, as, as I mean, definitely, sorry, definition of Chinese that did not mean that you could not be um, Filipino, a Filipino right. citizen. So I had to learn all of this growing up. So sometimes I still have clashes between, you know, the ethnic culture and, you know, my, my, my political stance and all that. So <laughs> oh, I hear you. I really do. When my, when my American side comes out, means an lakas talaga ng clash. I had culture shock when I went to college. I say I, grew, I went to a mostly Chinoy high school. So when I went to college, I started hearing people saying, Hey, dude, barangoy. <laughs> dude. <laughs> sino yun? Sino yun? <laughs> sino yun? <laughs> hey, dude, pre. Atene, parang, we oh, never used this. At least in, when, in, when I was in high school. So parang, <laughs> din, ano? Ivan, I'm sure you've gotten this question, though. Like, if with the current political situation, uh, right? Uh, in um, the West Philippine Sea. Right. There have been people who have said that when asked to choose, yeah. Chinois will choose to be to ally themselves with the Chinese and not Filipino. I, no, I don't honest, know. Can you honest? I think probably most of them will will not choose. They'll probably go to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> good way out. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. I, I think that's a very hard question to answer because you know nobody likes war. Yeah. And nobody likes to be put on a spot that, number one, most Chinois are a Filipino citizen. Mm-hmm. So why are you asking us? Because we're, we're of ethnic exactly. Chinese ancestry. The question itself is patronizing, yeah. yeah. It's a bit unfair, I was going to say. Othering. Yeah. Of course, if there's people who will side with China because they were first-generation immigrants, but I think to, to, to sort of push that community to, to, to give me a very straightforward answer, that is very difficult. And that yeah. is very hard. But I, as you recall, a couple of years ago, even a national artist, maybe, I don't know, Frankie Jose, right? He, he got into the fray and said that Chinese Filipinos will choose China. Whatever. I know. Don't listen. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I roll so hard, I'll fall off my fucking chair. Listen. Yeah, exactly. just, yeah. Yeah. You asked that to, I uh, know, you asked. You ask that to Tessie C. Coston. Let's see what she'll answer. Exactly. No, exactly. Exactly. No, I agree. I agree. But, but that's still continuing the othering of the Chinese. Absolutely. Which, and here's but, but what's heartening, Bams, and usually you know I'm right there with you, right? But what I do find heartening, and I was surprised by it, when coronavirus first hit, the mm-hmm. Philippines, in you know, true fashion to some of our, you know, kababayans here, immediately started going on that anti-Chinese bandwagon. Right, right. But, but oh. what was interesting to me to watch was as it started to knock on the door of Chinois, so many in the community of every color, of every whatever in the Philippines really came to the defense of Chinois to say, Chinois are Filipino, man. Are Filipino. We're not talking the same thing. And I appreciate the fact that some people even went further and said, don't even blame the Chinese, the mainland Chinese, because you're just, the virus has nothing to do with them ethnically, them as a nation. And it's just yeah, this crazy xenophobia within, right? But 
But I was pleasantly surprised that people didn't let it. And and to to Luisa's point, Kanina, if you really think about how diverse our, our country is imperfectly, at least we don't have those hardcore clashes, huh? except of course in the South. But in the Chinoy or Indian Filipino community or Filipino whatever, Esponio community, we don't have actual fistfights, actual, you know, different jails for different people, different standards, theoretically. It really is class delineated in that sense. More but we so do have latent discrimination, I think. Oh, yes. Of course. Do. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Even in our community, in the Chinoy mm-hmm. community, there are some people who are, you know, only because they don't have enough mainstream experience. So mm-hmm. they, they sort of have a lot of these put downs and I think for me, I, I, I'm in my point where I am or I want to be that change, perhaps, you know, to be the bridge between awesome. old, mm. new, the traditional and the conservative. Amazing. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard battle. I mean, I do it with my father. <laughs> with the, we all do it with our fathers. <laughs> this might be another episode entirely, Ivan. <laughs> A full one, a full yeah, two I mean, hours. Are, yeah. I, I, I feel sometimes we put, you know, everything has to be nation-based, which I think is mm-hmm. kind of hard. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's so hard when you have to deal with everything on a, on a nation-based um, definition. Right? Yeah. It doesn't really answer everything. I agree. I hope we were able to contribute to your, to your goal of being part of the change. No, it was a good, it was a good um, discussion. You have a beautiful voice. Oh, she like, does, doesn't she? Ano pang pag midnight? Ano like tagapayo ng mga pag-ibig tagabe? Maraming salamat po si DJ Johnny Midnight. Oh, Ay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you written a book? <laughs> Are you a book author? No, Ivan, I'm not. I'm a I'm an avid cook. That's what I do for yeah. life no, for no, a no. living. Can I just say what he does? No, no, he does. Chef. He's a chef, but what he also does that I think is phenomenal for our country. Truly, huh? is he makes these incredible dishes that are not, quote, fusion, but are like celebrations of all these different aspects of Filipino, Chinese, et cetera, et cetera. It's so good. And it's really just, to me, heartwarming. I love Luis's artistry. Okay. It's- well, on that note, I send everybody a big hug, big embrace, photo? regardless of which background you're coming from. Um, big hug, los quiero mucho. Photo? Yeah. Okay. to the Chinois, to the Germans, to the Espanoles, to the Finais. <laughs> to the Undefined. Con mucho gusto, los quiero mucho. Chao. Bye. Gracias por venir. Bye. Adiós. Gracias. Bye. Well, was it worth it? Did we work it? Put that thing down. Flip it in reverse it. Keep flipping with us. Subscribe to Flipping the Narrative wherever you get your podcasts to listen to our new episodes as soon as they drop. We're on social media too. Follow at Flipping the Narrative on Instagram and Facebook and let us know what you think. Or send us an email at flippingthenarrative.podcast at gmail.com. That's flippingthenarrative.podcast at gmail.com. Music courtesy of Cumbia Mamacita by Yoki of Ozen Beats. And thank you, thank you, thank you to Josel Gaston, our sound editor and musical engineer and podcast advisor and overall guru. And to Nami Kapati, the artist who created our awesome logo and visuals. Till we flip again.